Happy New Year. Can you believe it's January 2024? I can't. And alas, here we are. I've got so many special interviews for you this month. We're really talking about how we can deepen into presence. So we're going to talk about tools that allow us to do that, somatic tools, physical tools that help us beautify the space, which encourages us to want to be present in the space, and so much more. So if you're in a time in your life when you are ready to feel more present with yourself, with your loved ones, with your surroundings, you're going to want to tune in. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you as well. And I want to encourage you to join the Facebook group so you can join the conversation. And I will include a link to that in the notes of each episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Dr. Elizabeth Wisniewski is a certified perinatal chiropractor working at the intersection of clinical practice, social justice, and somatics. She's passionate about holistic perinatal education and care for all people. As a person with visual impairment who has experienced over 30 surgeries, she enjoys helping others turn their challenges into assets. Dr. Wisniewski practices in Ventura and Santa Barbara as well as virtually. I cannot wait for you to listen in on this conversation where Dr. Elizabeth and I talk about how to choose an empowering mindset, whether we are birthing a baby or birthing an idea. She is such a inspiration to me. I have yet to meet Elizabeth in person. Hopefully by the time this airs, I will have. Um, I know you're going to love this, whether you are pregnant or not. We all have dreams that we are pregnant with, and we all have visions for our future. So Dear one, I encourage you to listen to this episode with an open heart. Happy New Year to you and yours, and I'll see you inside the episode. Hey, friends, and welcome back to the show. I'm Isabel Bridges, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Elizabeth Wisniewski. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation um, because we haven't talked specifically about birth yet. We've talked about um, how to heal from after being in labor to how to manage pre-labor, but this podcast has not yet talked about the actual labor process. So we're going to dive into that a little bit on this episode as well as other 
um, juicy topics. Before we do that, Dr. E, will you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in this world? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I always think it's important for me to name, be really explicit that I'm a person with visual impairment. Um, and I've had over 30 surgeries, but that's not my whole identity. Um, so although I can't see you right now and others, I feel people's energy and I see their energy in my third eye and throughout my entire soma. I am a doctor of chiropractic. I also have a PhD in depth psychology and somatics. So I consider myself to be a birth researcher, perinatal chiropractor, as well as an artist activist. And I write music and poetry and play the harmonium and chant kirtan. And I have an epic Siberian Husky. So just here living my life as as a normal person, but also holding the tension of opposites of having a quote unquote disability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you naming that right up front because it really role models for us that we can name what is true for us and what our reality is without like hiding behind it. So thank you for that. My pleasure. So I want to ask you the question I ask all my guests up front, which is what does empowerment mean to you? Mm. When, I, when the word empowerment lands on my body, it really comes to my solar plexus where we, that's our seat of power. And I would also say empowerment, you know, it's kind of centrally located in our body. And for me, it's being grounded and connected in my lived experiences, but also open to new ones. And so empowerment really is a form of connection for me, connected within myself and to the collective and it gives me the strength and the courage and the vulnerability to stand in my own truth and power. Mm -hmm. And how did you stand in your power as you were entering this journey of birth work? How did you come to birth work and what does empowerment um, mean around this topic of birth work? Yeah, so a few months after I became a doctor of chiropractic, I took the Webster certification, which is our premier prenatal technique seminar. And a lot of people come for Webster technique if their baby is in a less than optimal, optimal position like breach. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that and I, I found it interesting and all made sense to me from this physiological and logical sense. And the day that the actual piece of paper certificate arrived in the mail had a new patient pregnant with her fourth child, breach presentation, went through the protocol, baby ended up turning because everything was balanced. And she had him at home a couple of days later, over 10 pounds, unmedicated vaginal with the midwives. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this really works. And so that kind of lit me up and sparked that. And then throughout my master's and PhD program, I was still practicing. And all these people started coming to me in the postpartum period that had unplanned, maybe unnecessary, unwanted cesarean births. And mm -hmm. that really curious from an archetypal sense. When we look at Dionysus, the Greek god, where some people think, oh, he's the god of wine. And yes, but he's also the god of dismemberment. So I was like, ooh, what's this dismemberment happening? Mm -hmm. And as I dove into the literature, nobody was talking about cesarean birth 
within depth psychology, which is Jungian based mm-hmm. psychology, or even somatics. And so, especially at the intersection, my research is the cornerstone of that now. Um, so I just I started to see how changing and shifting the conversation in my clinical practice was really empowering the child bearers coming to see me and how I could set them up and change, kind of shift like a birth plan into a birth vision that included mm-hmm. preconception, prenatal, postpartum, all encompassing. It was more holistic. Mm-hmm. Oh, you use this word vision, birth mm-hmm. vision rather than a birth plan. Can you share what the d- distinction between those two things are? Yeah, absolutely. This this actually came out of my research when I was interviewing people who had unplanned cesarean births. And with a birth plan, we can get really stuck of like, this is the way it has to be. Or we'll give up all of our power to, I call it white co-privilege, to the doctor, mm-hmm. thinking more about our own bodies than we know about our bodies. And I tell my practice members that I nobody knows your body but more than you do. So I want people to have a more encompassing view of their ideal scenarios and also know there might be some algorithms in there. There might be different ways of looking at it and we don't have to be tied to it. But you can also at the same time set some boundaries of, I really want delayed cord cutting or I want to experience cord burning, which is a different tradition Hmm. from the... And so I, I think it's just more expansive in a way and gives permission to be outside the box a bit, but also doesn't make us feel ashamed when things don't go according to our quote-unquote plan. So it gives different scenarios for me, but it also includes the postpartum period because that's often left out. Like everything about a birth plan, typically when I talk to my practice members is leading up, it's all the prenatal and then the birth. And then there's like, well, what's after that plan? Yes. Oh my gosh, I was just talking to a dear chosen sister about this. Um, and so some a question is bubbling up in me around fear um, and how to manage the fear um, somatically and of in, in other ways. Um, because I, I notice a lot of fear comes up, whether we're birthing a child or a project or a business or a book. So I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, I, I first off, I love that you just named other things that we birthed because it all is just creative energy coming from that same part of our body. And so birth is beyond just the baby. So that's beautiful. Um, you know, sometimes w- within my coaching, I call myself a life doula. So mm-hmm. within the, the birth world, I really encourage people to have a doula. I'm, with my practice members, I'm like, I need you to be in therapy and I need you to have a doula. Because we know, according to all the literature, that reduces the cascade of intervention. And that's tapping into transmuting that fear into something else, some other form of energy. So maybe having like a life doula, having a coach like what you do, mm-hmm. um, that can really help because everything's energy. And so how can we transform that and really transmute it into something else. That's the alchemy. That's where we turn the lead into gold. Um, And also getting away from binaries of like fear is bad. Like for me, every it's, it's either stagnant or it's flowing energy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, how can, how can I change this? 
And so I would like to kind of like cultivate my fear into something else and move it through my body. So somatically, that might be through meditation, yoga, mindfulness, um, and acknowledging that it's kind of like trauma-informed care or implicit bias even like you can't change things until you acknowledge it so the first step is me like hey i'm i'm feeling fear and then it might be tapping into like i feel this fear in this part of my body and maybe there's an image or a symbol or an archetype that comes up and then we can learn from it so i'll paint it out i will write it out and allow that to speak through me and to me until it becomes something else And what C.G. Jung says is when we hold the tension of opposites and we hold and hold and it gets so uncomfortable, eventually a third thing emerges. So through that fear, something else can come through. Oh, Dr. E, I have tears because this is really this is landing um, so beautifully for me. Um, I personally and I know I'm not alone here have a pattern which I'm healing from of pushing the fear down or clenching around the fear and so you talking about the difference between stagnant and um, movement is so powerful and that when we can be witnessed in our fear, um, I think that can be so powerful too, to name it and then to hear other people name their fears. So we're not so alone in it. Yeah, it's a teacher. And so just having that different interaction with it and embodiment around it can really change our relationship to fear. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. And that's okay. Yeah. And then Something that I find moves parallel to fear is expectation, Uh which is different, but maybe has some similarities to fear. So when it comes to birthing, um, again, whether it's a project or a child, um, I notice that we often have expectations of how it should go, which is more like what a plan looks like rather than a vision. Um, how can we, what advice do you have for our listeners around managing their expectations? Do we just not have expectations? Well, how do we know if an expectation is healthy? All that. Yeah. Wow. That's a big question. <laughs> well, what's coming up for me immediately is, you know, I have a mission statement for my business, like my overall businesses, but I have one for my life. Yeah. And so for my business, it's cultivating a world in which all people have access to vitalistic, perinatal, perinatal education and care. Mm-hmm. Whereas my life purpose is cultivate and inspire creative courage. So when I am moving through something or I have a question that I'm like, I'm not sure which direction to go and what what's my ex- expectation here maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, am I getting closer or further away from that life purpose, that mission statement for myself. And so that's how I tend to move in the world. Like when I got that text introduction to you, I was like, this is a big embodied. Yes. Like this is, this Mm. is part of my purpose. Um, And around expectations, I, I, it does correlate to the plan thing of, because we always are like, I need to manage my expectations. I don't really think that that's necessarily a real thing. Mm. We need to be in relationship with them. And see if they're actually serving us or not. Yeah. And I, I think it's all just like about 
changing the language within ourselves, our body language, our somatic language, our inner dialogue. It's kind of like managing stress. Like I'm like, no, just be in relationship to stress in your environment. Be in relationship with your expectations. And that's having that, we call it interoceptive awareness of what's going on in my body or exteroceptive awareness, what's going on outside of my body. But all it boils down to is mindfulness. Like, how is it landing? How am I feeling? What's coming up for me? And then releasing it. Because you were talking earlier about like holding things in and that's what we tend to do. Like sweep it under the rug, hold it in our bodies. But when we just let it go and go to the next moment, that's being present, that's being mindful. And then the expectations can come in waves, but we don't have to be tied to them necessarily. And I don't know if you find this in your work, but in my work, I find that it's very cyclical and that I and my clients don't often join, um, jump from, um, you know, not knowing what the experience is to knowing it and releasing it. It's more of like a bridge. And then we cycle throughout the, throughout the uh, bridge and having practices that you mentioned like mindfulness or yoga or seeing a chiropractor can help cross the bridge, especially somatically and emotionally. So I would love to hear more about your work and research around cesarean birth from a cross-cultural perspective too. Mm -hmm. I love that you're using the word bridge because for me, psyche is a bridge, bridging the unconscious and the conscious. So that information can come through to us in our dreams. And that's where we can get so much information. So Mm. I'll paint out my dreams. I have paintings around my house where people are like, what is this? And I'm like, it was from a dream. And I can't even see the colors. I'll just like grab them by their energy and do it. Or I'll write a song or a poem about it. But Mm. it's all bridging what's coming up through the body, through the tissues, into the unconscious across that psyche bridge to conscious awareness and that definitely is a cycle um so in regard to cesarean birth you know it's in our collective and uh we're at a 31.9 percent cesarean birth rate right now in the united states and to put that in perspective canada's at 26 percent most of the Caribbean into Latin America is at 45%. Brazil's at 55%. Private hospitals in South Africa are 77% cesarean birth. Wow. These are huge numbers. And within the US, at least, researchers are saying it will drop for one to two more decades. Mm. So in the collective, and we're talking more and more about it, in terms of obstetric violence and obstetric racism and all these other aspects within healthcare and especially within obstetrics that are social justice matters. Um, so I think it's it, this is a potent time to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we're getting close to the winter solstice. Uh, the evening now, the shadow and the light. Yeah. So, the acknowledge both sides of it. And that's a you know, cyclical pattern as well. So I'm curious, what else would you, where do you want me to go from here about the research? Because it's such an expansive topic and I'm so happy to share. I'm I'm really getting curious about this uh, metaphor of birth um, around 
the physical birth and the analogy that that is similar to when we're birthing um, something else into the physical world. And so I, uh, the violence uh, that can happen through a cesarean birth, I'm wondering if that can also be applied to the analogy of birthing a dream. Our, because our culture has a very masculine um, stance toward um, creation. And yet birth is such a feminine, um, has so many feminine qualities too. So I'm just wondering if you notice like that there's violence that we also are having with our, our dreams. Yeah. I mean, there's so much violence right now in the collective. So that makes sense to me. Um, of like, I, you know, I'm seeing images right now within my mind of like, you know, just like ripping dreams out of our bodies. I think as women, you know, there's so many expectations going back to your word from earlier. Uh, okay, you need to do, you need to be a mom, you need to do, you need to work. There's all these things you need to do. And that's a, that's a lot on the body. And that's, that can be really violent to your body, to your psyche, to your soma, mm-hmm. and really challenging. And especially with cesarean birth, here you're having physically a, a really serious abdominal surgery where in any other scenario you had abdominal surgery you would be resting for weeks and weeks. But when you have a baby, then it's like, well, now you need to take care of this other being as well. And then your sense of self is set aside. And it's it's just like, oh, you have 10 fingers, 10 toes, this baby does, and they're healthy, just be happy, get over the trauma. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, you know, sweep things away all the time, the trauma in our lives. And instead of acknowledging like the both and, and that's that tension of opposites again, coming back, speaking of cycles here, mm-hmm. and it's the both and, and it's like, I can love this baby and also being in pain right now, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. I can love being a business owner and also be so burned out because, yeah, I set my own hours, which means I work all day, every day, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times in my life, especially mm-hmm. being in the first world of yeah. damn calls or whatever it is, so... <laughs> There's that both and all the time. And seeing with what you were seeing with the masculine energy, even I'm thinking of even let's say we have a dream and we wake up and we actually remember it, which is amazing and magical. But then we quickly Google this um, association of like this symbol means this. And we could be appropriating from another culture. Um, and we're, we're not letting that settle and asking our unconscious and psyche to bring us what it means for us. So we're just trying to get this quick answer and then moving forward and forgetting about it. I had a dream years ago with a snake coming out of my spine that I woke up in the middle of the night and was like a message from psyche. Like I said these words out loud and I processed it in therapy and with a Chumash elder in our community here in Santa Barbara for months and months and months until... It may, I was able to make meaning of that actual dream. And it handed me a rattle at the end from its tail. And it was so potent. And then about a year later, I was in Mexico. And I got out of the car. And there was a rattlesnake. And it was like the end of this big cycle with a partner and everything. And it was really powerful. But it's because I spent time with that image. 
and that dream. And that's how it is in life too, like spending time with the both and instead of just moving to the next thing and being in action, which is the masculine, being in the feminine is moving slowly. One of my professors for my PhD would say, slowness is a revolutionary act. It's an act of cultural resistance. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. I love that. It is an act of, what is it, cultural resistance? Yeah. And C.G. Young, this is one of my other favorite things I would love to share with you. He was raised by a Christian minister in Switzerland. And so he started to look at the unholy trinity. And I, I was raised Catholic in the Midwest. I was like, ooh, what's this unholy trinity? I'm so curious. My Scorpio moon needs to know. And what Yun was talking about are these things that make society uncomfortable. And it's the feminine, the unconscious, and the body. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's somatic. That's our lived experience. That's divine Shakti, feminine energy. And we're afraid of that in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just going to take a breath here. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm. Okay. I would like to pivot the conversation um, to get a little bit more personal, if you're willing. Sure. Um, because you you say this phrase, both and. I'm wondering how that shows up in your life. Both, How do you hold the both and of your life circumstances? Absolutely. My both and, that tension of opposites is being raised with privilege, being able to get two doctor degrees, which is a huge privilege, 16 years of school. And also having this visual impairment um, and 30 plus surgeries. I mean, my whole, my childhood was spent in the top retinal specialist in the world's office all the time (laughs) in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, it was really painful and losing my eyesight over time. I grew up being able to see and then having to come to terms with that of like, I call it my soul contract because I have this disease that nobody else has in my family. And it's supposed to be found in boys in the Middle East. And I'm neither of those things. <laughs> and it took me a long time through many years of somatic-based therapy and expressive arts to be in a subtle place of just naming like, this is who I am, but it doesn't define me. But I'm also this other person as well, where I'm a doctor and people come to me for, for help in their bodies. And um, knowing that, I my soul chose this because I don't need my eyes to be a really good perinatal chiropractor. I see my heart and my hands mm-hmm. and my intuition. So it's been really special for me. And I like to use myself as an example to inspire others. Going back to my purpose statement, you know, cultivate and inspire creative courage because we all have these different gifts. But it's coming into relationship. And I talk a lot about how can we turn our challenges into an asset. And I feel for me, that's what I've been able to do over the years. And it wasn't overnight. It was a lot of hard work in the feminine, in the unconscious, and in the body. But I'm here now feeling empowered. Yeah. And I hear you. That's a choice. That's what I'm really hearing you say, that it is a choice 
to be empowered, which, you know, is, is part of my mission to help people um, choose empowerment because it's not something that it's ne- is necessarily given to us. Um, it can, we can be um, assisted in our p- empowerment, but unless we take it up ourselves, Mm-hmm. We don't always have it. So I really admire your um, you're taking up the sword of your own power and wielding it in a way that is helpful for others and modeling that. So just thank you so much for the that work that you do. Thank you for witnessing that in me. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I want to talk to the listener out there who is hearing us talk about your empowerment and your path and the challenges that we, um, you know, probably are projecting onto what you have gone through and then take it back to our own lives. And how can you just speak to the woman who is feeling disempowered in her own current circumstances is just feeling, uh, you know, we're, this is going to air in January of 2024. There's so much talk right now of New Year's resolutions. And again, going back to the expectations conversation and the fear that it's not, we're not enough. Can you just give her some encouragement as we move into this new year? Absolutely. You know, everything you need is already inside of you. And that that's part of the fear, but that's part of the joy and the empowerment as well. It's all there. When I really learned to move away from like good or bad energy as an example, and just know it's just energy and it just is, it set my soul free and also on fire for life and everything around me. And so everything you really need is inside of you. So letting go, because I think sometimes when we set like a resolution for the new year, that's kind of like a birth plan of like, Mm. this is what it needs to be if I don't make this, you know, amount of money or meet my partner or whatever it is, then I failed. So letting go of that and expectations and just being like, I'm going to be in this flow and it's my own flow and I'm open. This is what I would like to do. But, you know, here's an example I learned one day in meditation. If you're putting it out in the universe every day. It's kind of like you go to a restaurant and you place an order. You're not going to, every time you see the waiter, be like, hey, remember I'm gluten-free or whatever it is, like over and over. That's going to kind of annoy them. you like, you trust the process. Like this needs to be gluten-free. They take the order back. The chef makes it, comes back to you. It's like the universe. Mm. So we can place our order and release it. Mm. And it's pretty out there. It's the the universe knows and or whatever your, you know, your belief mm-hmm. system is. It's out there in that intelligence and we can release it and then be present minded, present bodied, mindfully aware of like our breath and everything. And really that's all we can do. Like be present with the moment. I like to call it spacing in. It's easy to space out. It is hard to space in. So going internal. How can I be more present-minded? Maybe I need to meditate. But if I miss a day of meditation, being like, that's just what I needed. Maybe I meditated when I washed the dishes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it doesn't need to look or be a certain way, but being just in the flow. Mm, I love that you're talking about presence. Uh, deepening into presence is our theme 
in the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood in January. So I love that you talk about that so much. Synchronistic. I know. So we're tapering towards the end of our time together. Dr. E, is there anything that you want to make sure you say before we close? Hmm. Well, I'm just so grateful to be here and excited to put this and birth this out into the world beginning of 2024, um, as it's just so deeply important for me to share my story, not because I think I'm like more special or had more trouble or anything. And that's, you know, it's not this competitive thing, but it's like, let's put it out there because I want to inspire others. And that's what I'm here to do. And so I'm just so grateful to you and inviting me into the sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing it. Thank you so much for inspiring me and all our listeners. I'm just so, so, so very grateful. Okay, so my final question is, what is a next inspiring action you'd like to invite our listeners to take? Well, I would love for you to follow me on my journey. I have a few things happening. I have my lunar energy coaching And that's helping people process their birth stories for people who have given birth, but also for birth workers, because I have a lot of doula and midwife friends that witness, you know, it's a lot. So it can be a lot of trauma. So I like to hold space and help people process that. So lunar energy coaching on Instagram would be great. And also, if you click the link in my bio on any of my Instagrams, there and you scroll to the bottom of my calendar you can schedule a free complimentary 30-minute lunar energy coaching session. And we can talk about whether you're birthing a business or another human or whatever you're birthing. I'm here to hold space and help you process that lived experience. And I also... I have a podcast called Soma Loba um, that I'm going to kick up into gear more so in 2024. And that's on perinatal education and care. So I invite you to follow along for Soma Loba. And we will have links to all of those in the show notes. Thank you, Dr. E again, so much for being here and to our listeners, just an encouragement to find your own presence uh, to space in and to take care. Bye everyone. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. And psst, I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.